Thank you, guys. I'm in trouble no matter what I do, it looks like. We're looking in the Genesis chapter 12 this morning in a couple of verses. Um, I had thinking about Memorial Day, thinking about what our soldiers fight for. I thought of freedom. But it's not just freedom to make any choice. It's freedom to make the right choices. So freedom must be coupled with respect. True freedom includes respect to God, respect toward one another, and respect for self. When respect is taken out of the equation, it doesn't become freedom, it becomes bondage. And we see that through our land as we've lost sight of true freedom. And as I thought about this, it as I was praying, God brought to my mind a, a word which evolved into this message. The word is covenant. And we're going to look at covenant this morning. The importance of covenant and how in our land I believe that there has been an erosion of covenant. But turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. I want to read the first uh, four verses. And I'm asking you to stand in God's honor when you find that. As I read aloud, follow along, and then we'll jump into the heart of the message. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. When uh, he, uh, Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Let's pray. Lord, here we are. We're here to worship you. And Father, as Mark shared in Sunday school from that little boy who wrote about heaven, we pray that you might beam down your spirit, Father, to uh, empower this time. And Father, may our hearts and ears be open. And, and Father, may you speak through me. Uh, it's just me, it's not much. But thankfully, your Holy Spirit is there. And I pray you'd work. Lord, uh, what do you want us to know, Lord? Show us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. I thought about loyalty in regard to the fabric of our land. And first I thought about the idea of work. I thought of the idea of my dad. who he, He's a hard worker. He loved to work. He worked for General Electric for over 30 years. And he didn't miss many days. He didn't complain about being sick. I had seen him at times go to work when he had the flu. The only time I heard the man really complain, he had a kidney stone. And I remember I said, Dad, what's it like? He says, Son, it hurts. And I thought, Wow, that must be tough stuff. But for over 30 years, he worked there. He was loyal to the company. The company was loyal to him. He had benefits. He had insurance. He had uh, retirement. Um, and, and there was a two-sided agreement where there was loyalty. He to the company, the company to him. Once he died, my mom still enjoyed uh, benefits, a portion of that retirement and insurance. 
And then I remember, uh, well, I remember when Cindy and I were dating. She worked for Sears, and they went to all part-time workers. And I began to begin to see and begin to notice as this continued that erosion of covenant between the worker and the workplace. And then there's erosion of covenant within the family. Guys, within the marriage. Matter of fact, I've looked around me and I have seen that many couples now are opting not to start their relationship with marriage. Many, and many even within the confines of the church, choose first to live together. Kind of like, you know, trying out a car to see if I'm going to like the car and if it's going to work for me. And so marriage is looked at as a trial run. We want to make sure that we're compatible, that it'll work out. Matter of fact, uh, on Focus on the Family, it asked a question to uh, Dr. Bill Meyer about why, why it's bad just to live together. And he, he wrote this. He said, the latest research indicates couples who cohabitate before marriage have a 50 to 80% higher divorce rate than those who don't. These couples also have higher rates of domestic violence and are more likely to be involved in sexual affairs. If a cohabitating couple gets pregnant, there's a high probability the man will leave the relationship within two years, resulting in a single mom raising a fatherless child. And it's, it's all around us, uh, this concept. Uh, there's not loyalty. There's not commitment many times, but it's a how will this work for me? And then there is the issue of church. There's the issue of coming to worship God. And as I look around, it's often about what will I get out of it? What programs are at the church? Or who is at the church? And, and what kind of speaker do they have? What kind of music do they have? How, how does it uh, rock my world? Uh, what, what's in it for me? And as all that occurs, as people come and as they leave, there has been a change in understanding God and His heart because He has not been the one that's been sought first. He hasn't been the primary source of the heart. And uh, as that, there's only, it says in our nation that only 9% of Americans, guys, have a Christian worldview. What does that look like? Well, here's some stats from George Barna. He says, one-third of all adults believe the moral truth is absolute and unaffected by circumstances. Slightly less than half of the born-again adults, 46%, believe in absolute moral truth. So less than half of those who call themselves born from above believe that there's such a thing as an absolute truth that you can put your life on. The Scriptures. Uh, Half of all adults firmly believe the Bible's accurate in all principles it teaches. That proportion includes... Four-fifths of born-again adults, 79%. Just one-quarter of adults, 27%, are convinced Satan is a real force. Even a minority of born-again adults, 40%, adopt that perspective. So only 40% of those who call themselves born-again Christians believe in the devil. Similarly, one-quarter of adults believe it's impossible for someone to earn their way into heaven through good behavior... Not quite half of all born-again Christians, 47%, strongly reject the notion of earning salvation through their deeds. A minority of American adults, 40%, are persuaded Jesus Christ lived a sinless life while he was on earth. 
Slightly less than two-thirds of the born-again segment, 62%, strongly believe that he was sinless. Seven out of ten adults say God is the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe who still rules today. That includes 93% of born-again adults who hold that conviction. So even within those who make up the church, those who are born from above kids of God, there is this erosion of absolute truth. There is this erosion of an idea that God can be trusted at all times and His Word is absolutely true and that there is a hope that you can rest fully upon. What has happened? Well, what came back to my mind over and over again, church, is the word covenant. What is covenant? Covenant is an intertwining of two hearts where each side wants the other to be blessed. That's covenant. Covenant means that not only are you looking to be blessed, but you want the one that you love with all of your heart to be blessed. It's not just about me receiving the blessing. It's God, I want, to, I want you to be blessed. I want your people to be blessed. I'm, I'm interested in, in this idea of, of sharing your blessing, God, with your people. And, and we have moved away from that as we have sought our own hearts. And that's what we've got to return to. There's got to be a, a sense of covenant restored. In order for the workplace to work right, there must be that sense of covenant. There must be an intertwining of both parties so that both may be blessed. In order for marriages to be what God means them to be, there must be that interlinking of hearts between the husband and the wife where they don't only want to be blessed, but they want their mate to be blessed. For the church to be what God wants the church to be, not only must we seek God's blessings, but we must be a blessing to God. There must be a sense of covenant. Now, um, as I thought about this, I could not help but think of Abraham as an example of this. In James chapter 2, starting at verse 21, it says, Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? It says, You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now guys, for the idea of covenant to work, it must be based, it must have a foundation in Jesus Christ for it to move into all areas of life. And the example of that is here with Abraham. And if you turn to uh, chapter 12 that we just looked at, I want to take just a few minutes and go through covenant between God and Abraham and the covenant that we are meant to enjoy. Same covenant. He says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, your father's household. Go to the land I'll show you. Now think about this for Abram. God appears to him and he says, You have to leave everyone you know, everyone you love, everything you're familiar with, and you have to head to a land that I will show you, Abram. Wow. That's asking a whole lot. We talked last week about you either either get stretched or you shrink, and it would be real easy to shrink right there. 
But Abram didn't. He was willing to be stretched. He was willing to head out. And although it says further down here that he headed to Canaan, it doesn't say here in the initial call that Abram knew where he was going. He was just told to follow God, to go to that place that God would show him. And I think that that is a picture of the Christian walk. God calls us. He appears to us and and He says, you're my child. He says, trust me, follow me, and I'll lead you home. I'll lead you to where I am. And what we face right now is that journey. And at times, guys, just like as He headed to Canaan, it's a place that we don't understand the way. We just follow Him as He leads, as He instructs, as He gives us what we need to go. That's Abram. And at times in that process, it is a battle of whether or not we're going to commit our lives to the one who loves us. Whether our heart's desire is that God be blessed as well as receive his blessing. Matter of fact, you turn over a couple of chapters, you come to Genesis 14, and there is a crisis in the life of Abraham. Talks about four kings of Sodom, and they come and they uh, kidnap Lot. And they kidnap many people and, and take a lot of possessions and, and they run off. And Abram, he gathers a bunch of seasoned warriors to go with him. And he sets free the hostages to bring them back. That includes his nephew Lot. That includes others. That also includes some possessions that were taken. And at that point, Abraham, he, man, he was brought face to face with his life where he was and and what he almost lost. He almost lost a a nephew that he cared about, that he was close to. And so he stopped and it made him reevaluate his own walk. And then in chapter 15, uh, it starts out, it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. What happened? It was not easy for Abram and those men to rescue Lot. He was afraid. It was a difficult crisis. And it, it, it made him think, God, what's going to happen next? It's not easy. This is not an easy life. It's, it's not easy to, to, to follow you at times, Lord. That God comes to him. He says, don't be afraid. And then Abram, he, he, he just shares his heart with the Lord. He says, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? Childless. And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. He says, Lord, you told me when you called me that I would have descendants and they would be numerous, more numerous than I could count. And Yeah, I still don't have a kid, Lord. You haven't fulfilled that promise to me yet. Verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. God didn't give him a new promise. He just shared the old promise once again. He just reminded Abram once again. Remember what I promised you. Look up at the stars. Your descendants will be countless, just like I promised. And guys, I I, I say this. Sometimes we don't need something new. We need just to look back to what God's already promised us. He's already promised us 
His salvation. He's already promised that He'll be with us and He won't leave us. He's already promised His Holy Spirit lives in our hearts to guide us. He's already promised us that He will provide. And and we need to be reminded of that. We don't necessarily need something new. We just need to remember what we already have, what's already ours. And so we find Abram and and he hears these words of God and I love his response. Look at this guy's, uh, the way he responds. He says, uh, verse 6, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now, you guys know the, most of you know the story of Abraham. The promise did come true, although it looked kind of crazy. He was pretty worn out there around 100 years old. Uh, you know, this is really going to happen, Lord? It did. He had a child and that child Isaac was the apple of his eye. Man, he loved Isaac. That boy was a gem on his bread. He loved him. He was the fulfillment of God's promise. He was God's blessing manifested. He was the truth of God as he looked at Isaac every day. He said, God, you are faithful. God, you are true. And then there comes chapter 22. Turn over to chapter 22. And there is the ultimate test. There is the true concept of covenant. There is the basic, let's get to the nuts and bolts of, God, I just don't want your blessing. I also want to bless you. And here it is, chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac whom you love. Go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. What? Can you imagine? I, you know, I have to imagine if I was Abraham, I'd say, you know, are you, you know, maybe that was the, you know, food poisoning or something. Man, is that really God's voice? Would he really say that to me? And, and, and I, I believe he, he must have cried out to God over and over to make sure that he got proper, clear directions. And then once he understood that this was God's call, this was God's command, he had to deal with it, guys. Verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Place of no return. God was placing forth the test. Abraham, how much do you really want to be a blessing to me? This is covenant. Abraham, I've been committed to you. I've given you Isaac, but are you committed to me? And and that question, it, it rung so loud that it was deafening to Abraham as he marched up that mountain, as he and Isaac headed down that path or up that path. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. 
As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Abraham had walked with God for years. He knew the heart of God. He knew the love of God. He knew the covenant of God. He knew the blessing of God. And he believed fully in his heart that God would provide This could not be God's ultimate plan that He would have to sacrifice His own son Isaac on an altar. And guys, as you read on, you see He he takes Isaac and He places him on the altar. And He gets to a point where He takes the blade and He is ready. He's ready to plunge that blade into Isaac when God stops him. He says, enough! He says, you have proven yourself to me, Abraham, that you held nothing back, not even Isaac. You truly said to me that you want to bless me instead of just receive my blessings. You truly said to me you want to be in covenant with me. And I think that is so clearly why God called Abraham his friend. Because there was a loyalty, there was a heart connection There was an intertwining of two hearts where each side wanted the other side to be fully blessed. That was the heart of Abraham. That was the work of Abraham. And guys, that still echoes true today that when you face those times that seem impossible, those mountains that you believe you cannot climb, remember, you can always say, God has provided a lamb. Think about it. The worst thing that could happen to you when everything seems to be ripped away from you, when this very life that we know is snuffed out, God has provided a lamb. And you will be thrust into His presence and there you will see the lamb. And He will be on the throne and we will worship Him and life will be as it is meant to be. And God in all of His glory will reveal Himself and we'll be reminded of that word covenant. Covenant. That the Lamb of God died for me and He provided the blessing. And that in His strength, by the power of the Holy Spirit, He enabled me to bless Him. And there was covenant. And there was blessing. And for now, we're on that journey. For now, we haven't arrived in that place. But God is true to His covenant. And He calls us to be true to our side of the covenant. And guys, He empowers us in the process. And He is calling each of us to Himself. Is His call easy? No. But it's all that there is that will last. You take God out, there's nothing left except suffering. Except a place called hell. A place of torment. Because forgiveness has to be there. So what's the answer? God has provided a lamb. The lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And I would be amiss if I didn't say to you, make sure that your life is built in covenant. That your life is built upon Jesus Christ, who is the full blessing of God. The Bible talks about that all the blessings of God are yes in Jesus Christ because He's the one who fulfills them. So you need to make sure that your life is connected to Jesus Christ. 
You need to make sure that He lives in your heart and that He has provided your forgiveness and your hope. You want to receive God's blessings. But when you receive God's blessings, you understand that the call is to bless Him. It is two-way. And that is what is wrong with the church. That is what is wrong with the family. That is wrong with the workplace. Is that God is not the one to be blessed. And that is the call. And that is the challenge for me and for each of you. Not only to seek God's blessing, but to bless God. Covenant. What's heaven going to be like? Uh, You know, there's a lot of explanations about heaven. The most important thing about it is he's there. I remember a story of a a doctor who was um, talking to a patient and the door was closed and the doctor was a Christian and they had a conversation about heaven. He said, what's heaven like? Suddenly you could hear this noise on the side of the door. Well, it was his dog clawing to get in the room. And so the patient said, well, what's, what's that? He said, oh, that's my dog. He wants in here. And he says, oh, really? He says, yeah. He says, you know, that's what heaven's like. He doesn't really, he doesn't know what's in this room, but he knows who is in this room. He knows his master is there, and so he wants in there. Guys, that's heaven. The one that we miss, the one that we long for, the one that we want to see is there. Covenant is this time now where we are reminded that God has blessed us and that we are called to bless him until we are in his presence. Uh, before we have invitation, Jeff told me I was a nut to uh, uh, show this video because it's very moving. But I thought of it, and it's about kids who are reunited with a, with a parent who has been away in active duty and their response. But I thought about it as closing this sermon. I, we're at God's kids. And one day, One day we'll see him. So think about that as you think about these kids seeing their parents that they love, that they miss. Someday you're going to see your Heavenly Father.
Maybe I was nerds, but uh, um, it's all a picture of love. It's also a picture of covenant. Maybe you need to come to the altar. Maybe you, it's not that God's not been faithful, but you haven't been. He wants you to get things right. He wants you to be in right covenant with Him. He wants you to be a blessing to Him. Our altar's open. I'd be at the front if, if you need someone to talk to, to, to pray with, and to share with God's people. We have a God who has come into covenant. and He calls us to be in covenant. And when we're not, everything's wrong. And just like those kids being reunited with their loved one, we will one day be reunited with our God. Let's pray. Lord, we are moved. As we see a kid's excitement, missing a loved one so dearly, God, and then to see them and to be restored to them. How can we not cry, Lord? But it's no less in this place we call heaven. Our lives are moving toward that big reunion. For some, though, it will be missed because they never entered into covenant through Jesus Christ. And may that not be said of anyone in this room today. May we all enter into covenant. May we all know your blessing. May we seek to bless you. So God, I just pray that you would have your way in any heart this morning that needs to come into covenant with you right now, Lord. 
say, I'm a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. I need your blessing. And I need to be empowered to bless you, Lord. I pray for that to occur, Father. Pray for others that need to come to this altar and pray for whatever reason, Lord. That there's just an erosion of covenant all across the American land. The only way for America to be what it's meant to be is for covenant to be strong and to return. And it must be grounded in Jesus. That's my heart. That's my prayer. And I ask, Lord, that you might work as we continue on to worship you. In your name we pray. Amen.